Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 28, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 142, the last paragraph that begins after satisfying yourself. Today's readers are Leslie F. on the 12 Steps, Julie R. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Elaine B., Rachel M., and Katie F. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, August 27th, is 6795. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Leslie F. recovering in Illinois. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie F. And I will now ask Julie R. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Julie R., recovered in California. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in manners affecting our groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has two opinions, has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Julia. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we are resuming our study of the big book on page 142, the last paragraph that begins after satisfying yourself that the man wants to recover. Um, I will now ask Elaine B. to get us started. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Elaine. Okay, great. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. 
after satisfying yourself that your man wants to recover and that will, he will go to any extreme to do so, you may suggest a definite course of action. For most alcoholics who are drinking or just getting over a spree, a certain amount of physical treatment is desirable, even imperative. The matter of physical treatment should, of course, be referred to your own doctor. Whatever the method, its object is to thoroughly clear the mind and body of the effects of alcohol. In competent hands, this seldom takes long, nor is it very expensive. Your man will fare better if placed in such a physical condition that he can think straight and no longer craze liquor. If you propose such a procedure to him, it may be necessary to advance the cost of treatment, but we believe it should be made plain that any expense will later be deducted from his pay. It is better for him to feel fully responsible. If your man accepts your offer, it should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. Though you are providing him with the best possible medical attention, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart. To get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. Can you have every confidence in his ability to recover? Well, on the subject of confidence, can you adopt the attitude that so far as you're concerned, this will be a strictly personal matter, that his alcoholic derelictions, the treatment he is about, about to be undertaken, will never be discussed without his consent? It might be well to have a long chat with him on his return. I love this reading, and I'm so grateful that we're doing this part of the book. There are so many great instructions, not just to an employer, but to a sponsor or anybody who is uh, close to and wanting to help somebody that has an addiction, as we've learned this applies not just to alcohol, but to many other things like compulsive overeating. And I think a foundation for sponsorship is really being satisfied that um, knowing that our man wants to recover and that he will go to any extreme to do so. Um, and that, the, of course, the definite course of action are the steps laid out in this book with such clear and concise directions. And um, if there are times that, you know, <laughs> our sponsees may balk and we can just remind them that they will go to any extreme to do so, whether it's doing their fourth step, their fifth step, their ninth step, and then continuing for a lifetime. Um, this is a fabulous paragraph that talks about the importance of being abstinent and the reason why um, and how long it takes. It says that um, it's imperative that the um, mind is fully clear and the body is fully clear of the effects of alcohol before doing this work, that they'll fail, fare better in such a condition and um, when they can think straight and no longer crave liquor. So this is a fabulous paragraph to point people back to if they think that they can, you know, be sipping their whiskey, drinking their beer, or whatever it is that they want to continue doing while they're working the steps. Um, and... Also, I, I like the line, it's better for him to be fully responsible that we really, you know, we're 
we can guide people through the steps. I was guided through the steps, but my sponsor didn't work do the work for me. My sponsor didn't, um, you know, build a network for me so I could continue on with 10, 11, and 12. My sponsor didn't do the readings for me. My sponsor didn't do the work for me. Um, you know, we really need to to have our sponsees take full responsibility of of doing the work, showing up, um, you know, listening to meetings, the different guidelines that will help them um, through this process and then to sustain recovery once they do. And um, we all had to place recovery above everything. For without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. And this is just that whole indication of continuing on with steps 10, 11, and 12, even once we've done this work, that when we get to uh, to step 12 for the first time, that does not mean that we, we're done. We've graduated. We can put the book down, hang the phone up, and walk away. And um, it's just the beginning. And we read in to the family afterwards about it's just like tapping that first vein of gold and we can mine that gold for everything we need for a lifetime. The only condition is that we keep giving it away. And so um, thank you so much for the opportunity to read and share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Who would like to share on what was read? Carolyn. Carolyn. Okay, I heard Carolyn, Tim, and Larry. Was there someone else? Sally. Leah. And Leah. Okay. So we'll go Carolyn, Tim, Larry, Sally, and Leah. Please go ahead, Carolyn. Hi, uh, this is Carolyn, recovered from New York. Um, Currently on vacation on Martha's Vineyard. Thank you, God. (laughs) Um, It's so wonderful to be hearing the meeting live. haven't been able to in a couple of days, and um, uh, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful, wonderful reading. Um, I, I love the fact that they say the man will go to any extreme. You know, I, of course, we hear any lengths all the time, but extreme really kind of drives it home. I mean, you know, it's like extreme sports, right, extreme makeover. I mean, really intense, really major um, so no, you know, we don't make, you know, half-hearted attempts. We don't say, okay, I'm going to listen to the meeting, but I'm not going to do my prayer today. Or I'll pray, but I won't meditate. Or, you know, I'll do a, you know, a spot check and not bother to do a step 10. Um, these half measures are us nothing, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, I did half measures for 11 years. Uh, let's say 10 and a half, okay, before I finally got serious. And um, what does getting serious mean? It, it, it means you do everything that you're told to do, and you do it forever. And, um, you know, is that a little daunting? Yes. What is the alternative? You know, being mired in the in the food misery? You know, when, when I was in that parking lot, you know, in the farthest corner during my last binge, stuffing my face and desperately hoping nobody would come up and find out what was wrong or, or that, you know, suspecting that someone thought I was doing a drug deal and uh, because it was so weird, um, that is misery. You know, eating to the point where I throw up involuntarily is misery. Going to the emergency room once, literally, okay, from a, from a uh, back-to-school night, you know, being sent before dehydration because I'd eaten so much, I was throwing up and having diarrhea in the bathroom to the point that I got so dehydrated, I literally passed out in the classroom. I mean, of course, I didn't tell them why, you know. Um, I never told anyone why, except in program. That is misery. Okay, so is it worth it to put all this time in? And it is a lot of time. It is. 
Um, yes, yes. And it's not just because today I'm in a slim, healthy body. Thank you, God, for that gift. No. Um, the biggest gift is that I have a higher power in my life and that I believe, I believe that he is there for me every single second of the day, that he will help me with any decision, no matter how, quote, unquote, minor, and certainly with my food, which seemed way too petty to bother with before. Um, not only is he there, he loves me no matter what. He loves me unconditionally and forever. He forgives me everything before I even do what needs forgiving for. Um, you know, I, I, have, I don't have fear. When I, when I live with God, you know, which I do most of the time, I, I don't have, well, I don't, we don't say I don't have fear. I have faith, and all men of faith have courage. So thank you, God, for this program. Thank you, God, for finding God. Um, and will I go to any lengths today? Hell yeah. Thank you. My pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Kim, please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. For most alcoholics who are drinking and who are just getting over a spree, a certain amount of physical treatment is desirable, even imperative. Its object is to, clear, is to thoroughly clear the mind and body of the effects of alcohol. You know, this is, this is slamming home that idea we heard back in the doctor's opinion that we have to put the food down first in order to be available to work these steps. And, and I'm thinking back to a TV show I saw many, many years ago where they, they had a, a group of people and they had a bar and they served them drinks and everybody was having a great time. And at a random time they came in and said, okay, everybody stop. How many of you think that you can drive now? And most people raised their hands and they gave them breathalyzer tests and then people were horrified, absolutely horrified, that a lot of them were blowing twice the legal limit to drive. Well, these were, these were good people that just did not understand how the alcohol was affecting them. They thought they were okay. And I have to say, I think that's true with the food. Sure, alcohol, yeah, 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 but, but it's just a brownie. It's just a cheesesteak. It's, it's just a piece of pizza. It's not going to impair me. I can still work these steps. Yet we're being told over and over again that if we are in the allergy of the body, we cannot differentiate this off. The alcoholic life is the only normal one. We might think that we can think, but we cannot. So it's slamming home that idea that we need to be free of the effects of alcohol in order to be available for this program. Now, also that sentence says, for most alcoholics. So we as compulsive overeaters, I'm looking for a loophole. See, it's saying most. I am different. I, I don't need to. I can still slip and slide and be able to do these steps. And all I'm asking you to do is check your own experience. Check the experience of the people in your meeting. My experience is, whenever I was in the food, I was incapable of doing the steps. And my experience is those people who think that they can do that in my meetings were the people that spent years being pulled down in the mire of this disease. They were the people that said, I'm on track, on track. Uh-oh, I'm back in the food. I'm back on track. Uh-oh, I'm back in the food. So if, if you think you're part of the, 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 the 2% that can't do it, that can do this strong, just check your own experience and check the experience of the people in your meetings. Are the ones that are living happy, joyous, and free are they the ones who put the food down first and work the steps? Because that is my experience. And the last thing I just want to point out is the line, it should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. 
as important as abstinence is, if abstinence was the answer, that would mean we'd have one-fold illness. Because we're only treating the allergy of the body. It's the obsession of the mind, the larger aspect of our disease that the steps are, are supposed to be treating. So what if we had a one-fold illness? I think to myself, I know people, friends of mine, who tell me once they open up a bag of Doritos, they eat the whole thing. So I ask them, what do you do? I just don't open up the bag of Doritos. And I guess if you have a one-fold illness, that decision to not open up the bag of Doritos is enough. I also have a friend that's obsessed with chocolate, thinks about it all day long, and she comes home and she has one Hershey kiss every night, and she gets satisfied. So she has an obsession on the mind that because she doesn't have an allergy, she can be satisfied with one piece of chocolate. But if you have both folds of these illness, if you have the allergy body and the obsession of the mind, you're going to have to put the food down first to get the clarity to treat the real problem, which is the obsession of the mind. And I think this page illustrates that beautifully. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Larry, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service, Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader. Um, so, yeah, the, the uh, yeah these these paragraphs are are essential. You know, um, you know, just a few things have been touched on here. You know, first, um, you know, it says that your man, you know, after satisfying yourself, that your man wants to recover and that he will go to any extreme to do so. You know, then you can suggest a definite course of action. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, from my own experience, I, I wasn't ready. You know, but, but if I'm ready, going to any length is, you know, my, my mind has to be cleared from this substance. You know, as long as I was still in the substance, I didn't possess the clarity of mind necessary to experience this spiritual transformation. I may have gotten, you know, some benefit from it, no doubt. Um, but but I, I wasn't able to fully embrace and understand these steps. They were only, only rationally. I could read words and not fully understand it. I could read words about swimming and, and, and you know, and, and picture someone swimming, but until I jump in the pool, I can't understand that experientially. It's kind of like that to a certain extent. So, um, you know, and it didn't seem fair to me, but it was nonetheless true. You know, it was nonetheless true. I had to accept the truth in that. You know, and and, and the employee the employee may say to themselves like I did, but I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm mostly sober, I'm mostly abstinent, or or I've been able to put you know my my binge substance down for quite a number of days, you know, and and make an argument to themselves, and I, I sure feel like I'm you know, but I'm, I'm I feel sure feel like I'm holding my breath underwater, you know, sure life is still a struggle. But that's just, you know, part of the deal. That's just part of life. You know, someone that hasn't experienced this complete psychic transformation like I hadn't before I did, that's what I felt and that's the argument I made. So to that employee, to that individual, I'd say, you know, I've personally experienced that um, that existence, you know, that you described for decades, you know, of that struggle. Yet my experience now is, is not like that anymore. You know, the practical program of action changed all manner of being for me. What I thought I knew previously was flat out erroneous. It was incorrect. <laughs> you know, lack of power was my dilemma. And for as long as I rem- remained, uh, you know, blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit, 
I would continue to experience struggle and misery, even when the food was down. You know, eventually there would be a time and a place where, where, where I would find it necessary to pick up again, and I always did. You know, or maybe I was like, uh, you know, the guy that spent 25 years. Some people can be very disciplined, but boy, that life is a struggle. You know, and, and then eventually to experience that ease and comfort, that few minutes of ecstasy, you know, that you get, um, you'll pick up. So so th- those of us who are, you know, we have a responsibility, those who've, who are recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, you know, we're going to inform the employer that there's no middle ground. There's no safe position in which to manage this disease. You know, and what I would say is like, um, you know, when you're delivered from this, and you truly know freedom, no one had to convince me. No one has to convince the prisoner that he's free. You know, once the jail door is opened and and the prisoner walks out, a a free man, a free woman, he knows his life has changed. He may look back towards the prison door and say, wow, am I really free? But, you know, very quickly he knows experientially that he's out among the free. He doesn't have to question, am I free? No, you know it. It's a sense of knowing. That's the difference between being recovered and not. That's at least my experience. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Sally, please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. This is Sally, a recovered compulsive eater, and good morning, vision for you. Um, I heard a, a special edition that highlighted this page and really just kind of blew my mind at how they blew off the page. And um, I would just invite you to get into a helicopter with me this morning and rise above this page about 10,000 feet and see that what we are looking at here is a two-step program. They just basically are distilling the entire 12 steps into two steps. At the top of the page, it tells us that we must clear the mind and the body of the effects of alcohol And that would be put the food down. And then in the middle of the page, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart to get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business and just about everything else. And so what this page is telling us, again, from the 10,000 feet up, the two-step program, is that we have to put the food down and then we have to change. And so if you have ever been recovered and you lost that place of recovery, what went wrong? You didn't change enough. What the steps do for us, in steps four through seven, we have an opportunity to internally change. And then steps eight and nine, we have the opportunity to externally change. When it talks about this transformation of thought and attitude, I am always reminded of all roads lead to Bill's story in my mind because Bill's story speaks to me so clearly. But he tells us in page 11 and 12, my friend was inwardly reorganized. He's talking about his friend, Ebby. He saw that this guy was changed, that he had a transformation of thought and attitude, only he uses the word inwardly reorganized. And so when I take a look at this page and I get put myself into a hovercraft and I rise above it, yes, I'm in my opinion, the only relief we have 
suggest is entire abstinence, it tells us on XXX. Bottom line is, put the food down today. If you haven't done it already, put the food down and get ready for change. Get ready for transformation. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Leah, please go ahead. Thanks so much, Kathy. I, too, wanted to focus in on whatever the method, its object is to thoroughly clear mind and body of the effects of alcohol, and also to get over drinking will require transformation of thought and attitude. And, yes, we have to go to any extreme to accomplish these uh, things. And, you know, certainly this takes me down memory lane. Uh, You know, I was almost 24 years of age. It was December of 1986. I had been in Overeaters Anonymous for almost five years. Um, I had, uh, you know, I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I uh, never knew what I was up against to the extent that this disease took me. I did not understand the depth to which this disease would drag me. I didn't know how hot hell would get. (laughs) And despite my own understanding and awareness of the disease of compulsive overeating, it never stopped me from compulsive overeating. And, uh, you know, the madness and the mayhem uh, were getting increasingly worse, and I did see that I had to reconsider or die. And with a bit of trepidation, I entered my supervisor's office at that time, and I told her I was um, addicted, uh, happened to be to food, and that I was uh, seeking permission to take a three-month leave of absence at that time to pursue uh, help for my recovery. Was that extreme? Indeed, it was extreme. I was newly married. I was married for six months. I was entering a rehab in order to clear my mind and body of the effects of alcohol. And at that time, I was going to stay in this rehab facility that was 12-step focused because I knew I needed to attend to the greater aspect of my disease by that point. Um, This was no longer about pursuing temporary respites. I had done that for five years. What I was doing now was seeking salvation because I had a mind that kept taking me back to that which was killing me. And so, yes, it was severe (laughs) to uh, leave a new marriage and to leave uh, a place of employment and to seek help. But, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, it was clear that, um, you know, I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. I needed a connection, a relationship with something immeasurable and indestructible because I had been taught, although I had never applied, that the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous of AA were a set of principles, spiritual in nature, which if practiced, was going to expel the obsession to drink. And I needed that more than life itself because I was dying by my own fists. And so it was true that I entered uh, that situation, that rehab. I stayed there for two months. I stayed an extra month uh, in a halfway house. And, yes, these principles, these steps were applied. And the secret of these steps is that, yes, indeed, it was possible to be able to, to effectuate such a dramatic change in my character, in my personality, in my attitudes, my thinking, and my values. 
that it was more, more, more than just a simple elimination of my binge foods, although that was absolutely necessary to begin with. This was going to be a whole new life. This was going to be restoration of a young life. And from a broken young woman, uh, I was transformed by these steps and, you know, thank God, continued to trudge this journey and grateful for that freedom. So, you know, this is what the program offers. This is about raising the dead. You know, how can you be enslaved uh, by compulsive overeating for almost two decades and rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? And that's exactly what happened through the engaging of this process of steps, having had a spiritual awakening, having been restored to sanity, having soundness of mind, relieved of that obsession, freed from the beast, finally, after two decades of mayhem and madness, free. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And let's move on to the next Part of the reading, I'm going to ask Rachel M. to begin reading on the bottom of page 143 and read um, until the bottom of page 144 where it says, by the use of this book alone. Thank you. Good morning. This is Rachel. I'm a recovered compulsive reader and anorexic. To return to the subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. To you, some of the ideas which it contains are novel. Perhaps you are quite not quite in sympathy with the approach we suggest. By no means do we offer it as the last word on this subject, but so far as we are concerned, it has worked for worked with us. After all, are you not looking for results rather than methods? Whether your employee likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. We suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor who is to attend your patient during treatment. If the book is read the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, realization of his condition may come come to him. We hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition, whatever that happens to be. When the man is presented with this volume, it is best that no one tell him he must abide by its suggestions. The man must decide for himself. You are betting, of course, that your changed attitude plus the contents of this book will turn the trick. In some cases it will, and in others it may not. But we think that if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you. Our work, As our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. Well, this is Rachel, and um, I first of all want to say thank you. Um, it says The book says, as our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. 
and I just want to say thankful. Thank you to all of you who were there for me when I um, was ready to give up the horrible drags of this disease and that there was an answer in front of me and I could hear it in your voices that there was freedom. And I decided I want that, wanted that for myself. And, um, and then I also want to focus on this last sentence. It says, Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. Um, so what is this book alone? It starts out with the doctor's opinion that tells us that we are hopeless. And I would say that was the starting point of my recovery was to realize that I was hopeless. Um, I remember driving um, back to work from town for getting some supplies and having, um, I was a teacher, and I got a treat for my students and put that in the trunk because I did not want to eat it on the way home. And I remember stopping on the seven-mile journey home along the road, putting my flashers on, getting out and getting into the trunk for that um, for that trigger food. And as long as I thought that um, self-control and um, more fist-clenching would change me, um, I would not have wanted to go to the great lengths that this book tells us to. Um, so that was the first step of this book alone, is to teach that we are hopeless. And then it tells about a <coughs> um, entire transformation, which is an honest inventory and um, realizing that God can do for us what we can't do and being completely honest about what's inside of us. Um, probably especially resentment, self-seeking, and fear, and turning that over to another person and then making making our wrongs right and continuing to live in this way and increasing our contact with God. And, um, and then... Beyond that, we have the blessing of personal contact with so many recovered people, and um, I'm just thankful for this book and for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Um, who would like to share on these paragraphs? This is Sharon in Colorado. <clears throat> hey, Sharon, and was there anyone else? Rakesis. Rakesis, okay. Go ahead, Sharon, and then Rakesis. Thank you, Kathy. This is Sharon H. in uh, Colorado, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, oh, my gosh, I, I was going to share on the first uh, paragraph, but this, this also just hits home with me, too. But I did just want to go back and uh, share that one about to get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. And we all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. <clears throat> and, you know, I was one of those that struggled for years, 
<clears throat> excuse me, with getting absent and staying absent with the exception of about five years in the 90s. And I was just a miserable person. And yet I, you know, I was working, I was doing this, I was doing that, but I was miserable and I was so broken. And a friend of mine told me about this phone line meeting and I was at the point where, well, nothing's going to work. You know, if it hasn't worked after all these years, what could possibly work? And I didn't understand how I could be free, set free in another program and be still so in bondage to this one. <clears throat> so when I began listening in July of 2012, I can't say it enough, they were in the doctor's opinion. And I kept hearing, use this, think of this as a textbook, like you're in a class. And I did. I sat at my kitchen table 5 o'clock in the morning every single day, and I listened and I wrote notes, and God began to show me the truth in the doctor's opinion that I had never understood, that even with this addiction, I did have a hopeless state of mind and body. And that was the turning point for me. And then I continued on <clears throat> following this book line by line, paragraph by paragraph, worked with a sponsor using the process for working the steps just like it's laid out in the big book. And something that I never believed was going to happen, uh, that I could be set free from the bondage of food addiction, that uh, mental obsession as well as the a craving once, you know, once we put that first bite of our trigger alcohol foods in, it's the same as putting, you know, drinking a drink, the first one, I was set free. And I, I am so grateful for that, but it did require of me going to an extreme. And I continue to listen to this program every day because I know how quickly my mind um, can go back that other way. Um, so I am diligent now about living in steps 10, 11, and 12 like I wasn't before, um, even when I had those five years of abstinence. And so I am just so grateful to know that this will work. And I, I'm one of those with the grave mental and emotional disorders. You know, it took me almost 12 years to get uh, sober and stay stopped. And now I believe to the core of my being that God, by his grace and being diligent to continue to work these steps, will provide that for me in regards to this bondage of food addiction. And I am just so grateful that, um, you know, it was through this book, but it was through the, all the other things too, you know. And I, um, I'm just so grateful that God's grace is so uh, amazing and it, and he's so faithful, uh, faithful to us uh, when I think of my own experience and how long this period was to come to terms with this food addiction. And yet now I am set free and I am so deeply grateful to God and to all of you that have helped me along this path. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, Rakesh, Go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. This is where Kathy recovered from Pussover Eater in California. I like I really like the phrase there where he says that when when the when when the alcoholic is acutely depressed, you know, he's gonna be more open to receiving help. And boy, I don't know. For fifteen years I tried 
to get abstinent. Fifteen years, I would get abstinent for a while, then I would relapse. And each time I would, I would relapse, I couldn't get just back on. I just couldn't restart the next day. Because I had to get to the place where it was so painful, where I was acutely depressed. I kept eating and eating day after day. I just couldn't put the food down. Eventually, each time, eventually, the pain of putting the food down was less than the pain of eating being absent because being absent is painful it's hard in the beginning for me anyway it's very painful but the pain of eating was greater the pain of eating was greater than uh, no the pain of uh, of the absence was i was willing to put the food down because the pain of eating was so much greater than than being absent but i couldn't stay absent i didn't i wasn't ready i thought i was ready each time i thought i was ready but like someone said before i didn't do enough each time i didn't do enough i would get i would do all the program stuff and um i would get some maybe a little bit of abstinence i had to claw my way to abstinence because it was so hard to get abstinent and i um would find myself back in relapse in, in, in months or a year or weeks or a couple of days, whatever. And I would cry out to God, what more do you want from me? What more do you want? I'm not, something's not going. Something's not working. What more do you want? And each time I did found, find more that I could give up, each time I did find more to to. Um, divulge to other people about my about my history, about my <clears throat> character defects, and so I had to keep going through that cycle, and it was it was horrible. The acutely depressed that was the when I was acutely depressed in the food. That when I was acutely depressed enough in the food, that's when I was willing to try again, try again, you know, and. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but I, I kept turning to God. I kept turning to God. I was angry with God. What more do you want from me? What more do you want? I would cry that out to him every night. What more do you want? I don't understand. And there was more. There was always a little more. And I am just so grateful that after 15 years of that kind of on and off misery, I found a vision for you, and it's really changed my life. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rex. This is Bella. Can I share? Uh, yes, Bella. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I love this reading today, and the last sentence, the man must decide for himself. Yes, this is me. Before the program, everybody, everybody beside myself, decide for me. Everybody was judging and blaming me for my overeating. Everybody beside me told me what to do and how to do. And yes, all the time I was blamed. I don't have the willpower. I am overweight only because of me. And thank God, thank God, now that I am in the program, yes, I decide for myself. I decide to, to, to live my life. And today, thank you, God, I decide to accept that I am human, and therefore I am powerless. 
and today I decide to be connected to God and to know that God gave me this disease and not as a punishment, no, not at all. And today I decide to believe that I am connected to God and my disease, that I am a compulsive overeater, is a gift for me. Because today I don't have to prove my existence. Today I am not, I don't have to give over my message. Today I choose to believe that I am powerless and I have one power, the power to choose one day at a time. And today I, I, I choose to be connected to God and to give over the message from God and not my own message. And today I am choosing to believe that I can live in freedom with my disease. And yes, I am a free person with my disease. Today I, I decide for myself that I choose to live connected to God and this is my freedom. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Who else would like to share? This is Paula. May I share? Sure. Go ahead, Paula. And thank you, Kathy. Love to start with gratitude. And this is Paula, recovered compulsive overeater. Again, gratitude. And I'm going to this line on 144. Whether your employee likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. You've already planted a seed. There's the grim truth. And look at the word they put with truth. Grim. You know, when you look at this book, oftentimes, and you'll read it, and you'll see it, and then finally something takes place. Well, that's not me. Then you wait, wait. But that is me. Yeah, but I didn't do that. Grim truth. But I did. And then it goes on. But look at There's more than just the grim truth in this book. There's the hope. There's the directions. There's the guidance. By no means do we offer this as the last word in the subject. But so far as we were concerned, it has worked with us. That's it. It's worked. Something that finally worked. I tried so much for so long. But then I want to go down, back to, and I want to see it again, and here it is. If the book is read the moment the patient is, is able, while acutely depressed, oh, how many of us can identify with that? Acutely depressed. Realization of his condition may come to him. It may, it may not. That may, may be the, the time that it will. But that's not in your hands. That's your, not in your hands. But I want to end with here. Scoot right on down to the last line that was well. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the use of this book alone. For those that wrote this book, lived this book, gave this book away, yes, much can be accomplished. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And who else would like to share? We have about three more minutes. Four more minutes. 
Well, this is Kathy. I'll take a turn. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, what I'm realizing as I'm listening to everybody share is uh, it took me a very long time to get the message in this book about the severity of my disease. Um, And for those who are new, I just want to say, if you're like me, I was very good at minimizing the severity of my disease. After all, I was holding down a good job, and I had a lovely family, and um, I just lived in a, a lot of denial about the degree of anxiety and depressive tendencies that I wrestled with every day of my life. And it wasn't until I started studying this book with other people, um, I couldn't learn from it by myself. I, I was not willing to identify until I heard other compulsive overeaters identify. And then very slowly I began to see the reality of who I am. Um, And I would say this took me a number of years, and it wasn't until I actually did the work as it's laid out in this book that I saw um, all my character defects and how I would have to change in order to live free of anxiety and to live uh, by the spiritual principles outlined in this volume. So I'm very, very grateful to Vision for You and to uh, Big Book Studies that I joined before Vision for You because it's those communities that helped me to open my eyes and see things in a new way and then to truly recover from this disease. So with that, I pass. Is there anyone else who would like to take a two-minute share? Okay, Um, we will close now. Um, Thank you, everyone, who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by... Hello? Hello, this is Janice from St. Augustine. Did you want to share, Janice? Yes, I just wanted to say thank you to all the visionaries who have shared today and thank you for your commitment to abstinence and abstaining and being clean from the effects of the food, of the alcohol before working the steps. And thank you for sharing about the absolute, you know, freedom that comes from that freedom of mind, body, spirit that we get from the gift that this program offers us when we work them. I really, really appreciate everyone sharing and thank you so much for that and Pat. Thank you, Janice. Keep coming back. And um, thank you everyone who has shared. I'm now going to ask Katie F. to read um, from A Vision for You on page 164. And then we'll say the serenity prayer together. Katie? Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.